Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's Tuesday, the 16th of May, 2023. Let us taste and see that the Lord is good today. And maybe we could uh, ask that he would make himself known to others as we do things as simple as the breaking of the bread. It's always a good uh, taste and see Tuesday. How can my table fellowship um, or even how I bow my head to pray with a grateful heart in front of others. Not, not that we're praying in front of others in order that others might see us. Like, that is not the point. But we do recognize that everything that we do in public is observed by others. Um, and so, you know, what does it look like to live in a prayerful posture all the time and everywhere? And how might that lead others to taste and see that the Lord is good today? It's Taste and See Tuesday, so. There you go. Uh, Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day here on Faith Radio is Psalm 34, verses 17 and 18. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The Lord hears you, my friend. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. The Lord hears you. The Lord sees you. That's a great, um, that's a great comfort. I will say it also um, provokes us to ask, well, and then what? The, the Lord hears me, the Lord sees me, and then what? Well, the psalmist says he rescues them from all their troubles. And we say, really? Because that's not exactly been my experience. Unless, of course, what is meant here by rescue means something other than changing my circumstance in real time to align with my comfort. (laughs) Because that's how we think of being rescued from all our troubles. We think, we anticipate that that means uh, the current circumstance is going to change and be more aligned to my idea of comfort. That is uh, not what rescue means in terms of what the psalmist has in mind here. Maybe we're not thinking of rescue in the same way. And so when we read on, it says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. The Lord is close. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. God rescues us from troubles by drawing near to us. When the Lord is close to us, we are by definition rescued. What might that mean today? God calls to mind here uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
So has the person poor in spirit been rescued from their troubles in the way that the world measures rescue and the world measures trouble? That's not what Jesus says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There is uh, an eternity to be spent in the presence of the living God. And yes, there is an inheritance that belongs to Christ and is not diminished over the generations of Christians who equally stand to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's pretty incredible. That is a clearly different kind of math and a different kind of inheritance. It's not diminished over generations. Um, it's not It's not made smaller and smaller and smaller by division. It just doesn't happen that way. Blessed are the poor in spirit today in the same way that they were blessed in the days that Jesus was walking upon the earth. Equally going to inherit the kingdom of heaven and equally going to stand forever in the presence of the living God. So the Lord is close. He's ever present. Um, There's nowhere that we can flee from his spirit. He draws near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 34, verse 22 says, The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. So I think that as we, you know, take these verses in context today in the, in the totality of, verse, of uh, Psalm 34, you know, I, I guess I'll ask this. Are you, for your part, are you taking refuge in God today? Are you drawing near to God that he might draw near to you? Do you trust that God sees and hears and cares and stands ready to draw near to you in your time of trouble? Do you trust Jesus when he says to you who are poor in spirit, to you who are crushed in spirit, you will inherit the kingdom of heaven. What is mine is yours. What is mine is yours. That's what Jesus says today. Is that enough to walk through the valley of whatever shadow you find yourself in today? Is Jesus enough? Because that's the way God draws near to those who are crushed and under trial and broken. He sends us Jesus. Mark Caleb Smith is going to join us next. We're going to talk about avoiding the temptation to become cynical. Like, right, when you look around at the headlines of the day and the political shenanigans of the times in which we live, are you tempted to become cynical? We're going to talk about avoiding that temptation next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Mark Caleb Smith is joining us now. We're going to talk about, you know, the intersection of Christians in the culture today and the political environment in which we live. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Carmen. How are you doing? All right. So I'll just confess, right? I uh, I survey, I listen to the headlines of the day and, um, you know, the FBI didn't, didn't deal uh, honestly with the... Um, so-called Russia Trump investigation years ago. Uh, the Biden family has apparently not been uh, necessarily um, ab- above board in all of their international dealings related to financial gain um, while the now president was then vice president. 
And the former president um, not only continues to face all kinds of charges against him, but has been found um, liable uh, in a defamation and sexual abuse case. Like, it is hard to avoid getting cynical when it just seems like they're all corrupt. So help me as a Christian not grow cynical in the in the political environment today. Yeah, I remember a conversation with my uncle a long, long time ago. We were talking about politics, and I was trying to get his understanding of the two parties and what they believed in and and why he might support one party over the other. And his his response to me was, you know, Mark, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. They're all they're all fish in the same barrel and they're all they're all corrupt and they're all crooked and it makes no difference at all. And, you know, my uncle was a good man, godly man, but he had obviously succumbed to a pretty high level of cynicism by that point where nothing mattered, nothing made any difference. Don't worry about it. Just sort of keep your head down politically and move forward and don't worry about the outcomes. And I, I can understand it. I mean, when you talk about the headlines you just did, um, it's kind of overwhelming in some ways, you know, it feels like our, our leaders have lost the sense of public service uh, that a lot of people are getting into office to make money and to accrue wealth. And it's uh, really remarkable. And what the former president has gone through and is going through legally is unprecedented by almost any measure. Um, but you know, how do we avoid it? As a professor, this is a big issue for me when I talk with young people about government and politics every day. Uh, I don't want to pass on to them a sense of cynicism at all because I want to make sure that they have a, a good understanding of political reality with with some hope that they can make a positive effect on that reality. And if you're cynical about it, then all hope of positive impact, I think, is gone. And so I, I try to to teach a proper perspective on government. You know, it. I think a lot of our cynicism comes from uh, expecting government to do either way too much and we get disappointed or expecting it to do way too little and we just have dismal hopes for what it might do. And I think neither of those things are quite accurate. Um, you know, you should never you should never expect government to solve all of our problems because it isn't going to happen. At the same time, government can do a lot of good, decent things, and we see it doing good, decent things every day. It just doesn't always show up in the headlines. And so it's a fine balance to walk. Um, and I think, you know, as you were saying, you know, the media headlines are driving us towards cynicism to some extent. We need to reflect a little bit on that, too. Maybe the media has an interest in pushing us in that direction for its own purposes. Yeah, I think um, media consumption and evaluating um, those sources is hugely important today. Um, my, my my list that I made in terms of um, avoiding becoming cynical, first is that I pray. Um, mm. Second, you know, second on my list is exactly what you said. Cultivate a proper perspective on government and its proper yeah. role. Um, it's not going to solve all problems, and yet it can and is doing many, many decent things. As you, as you note, I wrote, um, you know, it, it, contributing to the common good. Yes. Um, v- vote every time you can, yep. Yep. Um, because that's empowering. Um, and educate yourself and others on what's really happening. Now that's the hard part, and that yep. gets back to okay. you know the, the sources that we're using and where we're getting our information. Um, and then next on my list is serve. Like, yeah, I do think that. Um, if all we ever do is sit on the sidelines and complain, 
um, then we actually are part of the problem. Um, if you know, and so you know, serve. Um, and I'm not saying you have to serve in a political office. I'm saying as a citizen, you have to serve. Like you, you got to be out there, um, you know, woven into the fabric of the common life of we the people, um, because that's the only way this works. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, <clears throat> if we're going to be any part of the solution, that has to be our approach you know, at, at some level. Um, we have to be active and we have to be involved. Um, but I, I think we have to be very, I, you know, I want to get back to what you were implying there. We have to be willing to hold our elected officials responsible, you know, when they're doing wrong things, vote, hold them accountable. And that's really how you're going to get hopefully better elected officials over the long term. But right now, a lot of our political commitments, I think, are making it hard for us to hold these people properly responsible. And Mm. so you're looking at the headlines you were just talking about. We're really tempted to say, well, you know, um, if I'm a Republican, then I'm going to jump hard on Joe Biden and his family for all this political or this financial wrongdoing. Uh, if you're a Democrat, you know, you look at President Trump and you want to jump on him with both feet. Well, the reality is they both deserve to be jumped on with both feet for a lot of these things. They both should be held accountable. But our system, we want to forgive these people who are in our party and not hold them responsible. And that really is not the right approach. We've got to be willing to say, you know, this is just wrong and bad. And we're going to hold you responsible. We're going to vote accordingly. We're going to serve accordingly. And we're going to talk to others accordingly. And, you know, you hope you kind of improve the culture in that process, but it's a challenge. You know, it's a challenge, as you said, uh, this is a, this is a large problem that we've got to grapple with. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's a huge problem. All right. Yeah. People on the text line noting um, the, the very negative contributions that media um, has, has yeah. made over, no over a generation in terms of this. So, um, all right, we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Mark Caleb Smith in just a moment. Um, yeah. We're going to turn our attention to, uh, a couple of items here. First of all, is there an after-school Satan club where you live? And if we are to eliminate them, which, you know, many people think we ought to do, um, then are good news after-school Bible clubs also at risk? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Mark Caleb Smith is here. All right, Mark. um, After school Satan clubs uh, actually gaining popularity, apparently. Um, they've got some legal victories, which we're going to let you talk about. And then here's my question, because lots of folks think these, you know, after-school Satan clubs should not exist, should be eliminated. If they are right. eliminated, right. are, are like, good news after-school Bible clubs also at risk? Yeah. Uh, 
after school Seton clubs, just saying that phrase, it's just, uh, I don't think we would have been saying this 10 years ago. So it's kind of remarkable that we're at this point, but, uh, yeah, there's a movement and it's across the country, different places, uh, sponsored by the satanic temple, um, which is an interesting oxymoron, um, where they're trying to put together primary school clubs, which is a little more disturbing in some ways. Uh, where they attract kids to these after-school events and activities. Uh, they claim they're not doing any proselytizations. They're not trying to coerce or convert or anything like that. They're not asking kids to identify as Satanists for whatever that's worth as well. Um, they also claim to be advocating relatively neutral principles um, like justice and good service and things like that. Um, well, as you can imagine, uh, they, uh, in their effort to put these clubs forward, some school districts have resisted and have made it difficult for them to schedule activities and to function as a club. And uh, they've gone to federal court in order to get uh, protection for meeting. And so far in the federal court system, they've won. Um, <clears throat> so they've won access to after school activity clubs, just like other clubs. And I think you raised the critical question there. You know, my first reaction when you hear this is like, well, of course, there should not be a satanic club in a public school. Uh, I don't have any um, notion that Satanism or anything like Satanism, Satanism is equivalent to religion or should should have sort of an equal footing. At the same time, constitutionally, you know, if a public school is going to open its doors or open its facilities uh, to after-school clubs or to sponsored activities that are sort of outside of the public school process, they really have a hard time discriminating against one club versus another. Um, and like you said, you know, the way that the law is structured right now, uh, if the school says no to the, to the Satanic Temples Club, they're going to have to say no to the Good News Club or to a religiously-based club as well. So if you provide broad access to your facilities – you have to have broad access. You know, the only exception would be if the club really undermines your teaching environment, undermines the purposes of the school. You know, obviously, you're not going to allow a club devoted to criminal activities uh, or an anti-teacher club or an anti-learning club, things like that. Beyond that, the courts have required schools to be pretty open uh, once they grant access. So if they're going to grant access, let's say, to the Fellowship yeah. of Christian Athletes, yeah. they might also right. have to grant access to the local coven that wants to come yeah. and recruit future witches. That's just, that's exactly right. And, I, you know, mm -hmm. and this gets to the debate we're having right now, Carmen, as you know, within evangelicalism. What do we expect mm -hmm. government to do in a situation like this? Some people would say, well, I don't really care what the First Amendment says. Government should put a thumb on the scale of re religion and Christianity, and therefore they should disallow these kinds of clubs happening. Uh, but the way our laws developed over the last century, um, based on free speech principles and religious liberty principles, we have broad and open access for anyone that qualifies. And so that's the mind. Are we going to be more uh, classically liberal, if we want to use that phrase? We're going to be a little bit more Christian oriented in our approach to government. I think these are, um, you know, these are things that each of us needs to think about and consider um, because it's happening in our local schools. And again, this gets back to, you know, what's happening in the most local of places where you live and how are you engaged in those? Are you a part of an after-school right. effort in your own community? And if not, maybe that is a great way for you to, um, you know, to, to serve kids and families in your community and, um, you know, and positively engage uh, in this conversation, like support, support those who are doing the things that you want to see done in your community. 
Um, let's briefly talk, Mark, about whistleblowers yeah. Um, yeah. and why why they matter um, in our particular form of government. So, yeah, whistleblower is a phrase you hear sometimes, um, sometimes in throwaway situations almost. But these are people who, um, at great risk of themselves, um, go forward and make public accusations against uh, leaders, against uh, people who run companies, people who run public agencies. Um, and they have legal protections in doing this. Uh, you know, they get to the point where what they're seeing around them becomes so overwhelming, so unethical that they feel there's no other um, avenue open to them other than going public and making a claim and hoping things change as a result of that. Um, it's a really uncomfortable position to be in as a whistleblower. Uh, and that's why they do have legal protections. And in most situations, they should not be retaliated against. Uh, and they sh- and they should not lose their positions or suffer as a result of the whistleblowing. But if you look historically, uh, whistleblowers have often um, been put into really difficult situations, sometimes to the point of death, uh, because of the situations they find themselves in. So uh, I think we have a real temptation often to take these people and to treat them as uh, disloyal, dishonest, as leakers, um, or even unethical themselves. And I think we have to be really careful uh, if we make those sorts of accusations, these people go to great risk to sometimes do great things. Mark, as always, um, thank you so much for joining us. I think that being people who tell the truth when we see it, if you see something, say something like at, at some level, that is that is whistleblowing. I mean, it's not sure. at a at a high level, but um, sure. if we recognize our responsibility to say something when we see something wrong um, or even say something when we see something that seems out of place or curious. Um, like that is, that is a responsible way to engage as a truth teller, to tell the truth um, in the culture today. And so we certainly want to encourage that and uphold others who do likewise. Um, Mark, as always, thank you so much for being here. Always a pleasure, Carmen. You take care and I'll talk to you later. That sounds great. Hey, let's uh, take a moment to go upwards with Max Lucado. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All righty. Some of you asking, are there any, uh, are there any sort of uh, unbiased, nonpartisan media outlets out there? I will tell you that on Monday, a new one was launched. And, you know, it's only Tuesday. So it's only like day two of the messenger. So it's hard for me to say, um, hey, we can um, we can check out what's happening from this new new media startup called The Messenger, um, which literally just launched a day ago and um, is making an attempt to offer what they would describe as, you know, like old-fashioned real journalism again. Um, so we'll see how that works itself out. It's a massive undertaking. Uh, it just went live yesterday um, with a half a, I think a half a billion dollar investment. I mean, it's crazy. It's a crazy amount of money that's being invested in, and they're hiring hundreds of journalists and they're setting up shop um, in, uh, in at least D.C., New York, and L.A. to start with. Um, so anyway, I'm I'm going to see how that goes. Um, certainly the people behind it are uh, adept at such things and have a long history uh, in journalism. 
and Jimmy Finkelstein in particular is uh, personally interested. He uh, he's the one who's you know financed the initial fifty million dollar investor um, effort. So we'll see how it goes. That's one that I'm watching, and again, it's just called The Messenger, and um, yeah. So we'll see. Um, next up, my conversation with Ashley Gad. The book is Create Anyway, The Joy of Pursuing Creativity in the Margins of Motherhood. Uh, and yeah, this is a this is a conversation about, um, you know, like going ahead and uh, investing in some creative outlets, even when, well, frankly, you're exhausted by all of the realities of life. So if that's you, you're going to you're going to love this conversation with Ashley Gad. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Ashley Gadd is joining us now. She's the author of Create Anyway, The Joy of Pursuing Creativity in the Margins of Motherhood. Ashley, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. So um, I already like the idea of coffee and crumbs. So let's start there. Um, what What is coffee and crumbs? Yeah, coffee and crumbs is, I like to describe it as just a really beautiful intersection of motherhood and storytelling. So I created that space in 2014 as sort of really uh, the space that I was looking to submit my writing to. So all we do is feature long form, honest storytelling about motherhood there. Oh, I like that. So it's online um, and folks can connect um, directly with Ashley at Ashley Gad, G-A-D-D dot com. Um, So let's talk today about this beautiful book that you are um, bringing forward to us, Create Anyway. Uh, Maybe talk about what inspired you to write it because it it comes out of a genuinely authentic place. Mm, Thank you. Yeah, in a lot of ways, Create Anyway is the book that it's the book I wish that I had as a new mom. And it's really the book that has been writing itself in me over the past decade. I've been a mom for um, almost 11 years now. My oldest is about to turn 11 here in a few weeks. And for the entirety of my motherhood, I have been creating in the margins. And over the past decade of doing that, I've really just come to appreciate how sacred and holy that practice can be of creating beautiful things in a broken world while raising children. And so this is the message and the permission slip I wish someone had really handed me as a new mom when I was kind of wrestling with that tension of whether or not I could still be creative and I could still use my creative gifts, even though I was thrust into this all-consuming role as a mother. And Create Anyway is sort of everything I've learned about motherhood and creativity in the past 10 years. Okay. And suffice it to say, it's not a mess and you have to like carve out time that doesn't exist um, to make it happen. Um, Mm -hmm. I know young moms. I have a couple of them in my mind right now who they each have two babies and they each have another baby on the way. And oh my goodness. I, and they're, I would say that they're just, my basic description is like exhausted. And, um, but I think that they also feel like, that's all that that is what they have become like they mm-hmm. are no mm-hmm. longer anything other than I mean it's so great to be a mom I don't want to minimize it in any way and I know you don't want to either but do you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about when I'm pointing yeah. to what I think I see in them right now yeah yeah and I think there's such a 
there's such a cultural narrative out there still that the role of motherhood is all sacrifice, you know, and it is to a certain extent, right? When we become mothers, we have to sacrifice so much of ourselves. We sacrifice a lot of us are sacrificing our bodies and our time and our just our mental capacity, our mental bandwidth. And I think that's why this message is so important because I believe creativity is worth fighting for. I believe it's worth pursuing in in the sense of reclaiming that piece of yourself. And I think it's good for our children to watch us do that. You know, so many of us, we have a lot of guilt wrapped up in in pursuing creativity when we're when we're trying to take care of our children but i think it's good for our children to watch us do that it's good for our kids to witness to bear witness to us stepping into the fullness of our god-given creative gifts and so i know it can be so hard in some seasons i have been there i have been the mom with the two kids under two and it is exhausting and there's so little time for for anything left over but if you can just carve out a little bit of space each day to do something that makes you feel alive that will bless your motherhood so much i love um that you're a photographer as well um here's one of my just favorite quotes from and this one's actually just on your website but my favorite sessions are the ones where we open the windows and make a mess and jump on the bed and lick cookie dough off the spoon so see that sounds like capturing the reality of what's happening in people's lives and mm-hmm. when you talk about storytelling and and then certainly as you tell stories in this book um you're capturing that and i wanted to just share with share with our listeners like that heart of who you are. We are talking Mm. with Ashley Gad. We're talking about her book, Create Anyway, The Joy of Pursuing Creativity in the Margins of Motherhood. There's also a lot of great stuff available at her website, ashleygad.com. She is the founder of Coffee and Crumbs, which is a beautiful online space um, where motherhood and storytelling intersect. And um, she's a writer. She's a photographer. She's a mom. We're going to continue our conversation with Ashley in just a moment. Maybe you're thinking right now, um, I don't know that being creative would help me become a better mother. We're going to ask Ashley if that's possible next. As we consider the life of Jesus and the life of the first generation of Christians, reading here the book of Acts and all the letters to the Christians in the New Testament, we see people who like wake up, they come to see and understand and then receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And it changes everything. We see Christians then telling other people about the good news and inviting them to respond in repentance, be baptized and follow Jesus. The movement of Christianity grows person by person and then exponentially as people walking in darkness receive the light of Christ and want others to know what they know and have what they have. Well, you and I are living in dark days. People need light. And Jesus is the light of the world today in the same way that he was the light of the world at the beginning of creation and at the first Christmas and throughout his life on earth and in his radiance now at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the light of the world. So if you're walking in darkness of any kind today, I invite you to consider Jesus. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224.
Continuing our conversation with Ashley Gad, we're talking about Create Anyway, the joy of pursuing creativity in the margins of motherhood. All right, Ashley, talk to the woman right now who's listening, and she's like, I, you know, I would do it if I thought it would make me a better mother. How can being creative and, like, allowing yourself the creative outlet, how can that make you a better mom? Mm. I mean, this is super, super cliche, but you know the the saying about putting on your own oxygen mask before you can mm-hmm. help others around you? Okay, I was I on a that's... plane, and uh-huh. I actually, like, heard the flight attendant come to the people behind me who had like an infant and she goes, okay, do you understand why that's important? Right. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, I know because yeah. it's, it is, it's hard to wrap your head around that. And I know in seasons of stress, right. You're going to be tempted to just keep serving everyone around you first before yourself. But truly when I think of how I would answer this question, that is the answer that bubbles up inside of me. Like when we are making space and time to pursue the things that make us feel like a whole flourishing version of ourselves, that is a form of putting on our oxygen mask before we can help those around us. And I truly believe, I mean, I've seen this in my own life time and time again, that when I am actually stepping into the fullness of my God-given creative gifts, the joy and delight that fills up inside of me, it spills out in everyone around me. It spills out into my marriage, into my motherhood, into my community, into my neighborhood. And for that alone, it's it's worth pursuing. It's such a it's such a beautiful way to care for and honor ourselves as a full flourishing person. So you have a title um, of one of the chapters, It Takes a Village, and you Mm -hmm. talk about your village, um, the people who have supported you in, you know, in so many seasons of of the stories that unfold in the book. Um, I'm wondering if, you know, there's a mom listening right now and she's like, well, yeah, I could do it if I had a village. So how how does a person either create or find their village? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good question. And this is something I do think that women really struggle with because we are so scared to ask for help. We are so scared to receive help. And putting yourself out there really vulnerably, it does require courage. And so I just want to acknowledge this is real. This is a real struggle that a lot of women have. And unfortunately, there's really no way, there's no way through it, but through it. And so I really love to just encourage women to go first, to take the initiative, to send the text, to pick up the phone, to send the email, send the message, to put yourself out there and and be an inviter. I think so many of us are sitting around waiting to be invited. And I'm telling you right now, as someone who is a total introvert, it is still easier, I believe, to be the inviter than the one who sits around waiting to be invited. So that's my main encouragement is just to really tell women to go first. Well, and I think if you say like, okay, I know that it takes a village. I have these little people. I need some village people, right? Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) I was just saying like, there's creative ways to do it, right? Like I'm looking for some village people. Would you be the village grandmother? Would you be the village, you know, I don't know. Maybe you need a village idiot, whatever, like get them together, right? (laughs) I mean, have a little fun, right? 
have a little fun. I mean, motherhood is so much better when we do it together. And I think it's especially in those early years for all the the new moms who are just really drowning in the diapers and the spit up and just the pure exhaustion. Finding a couple people to just do life with you is so imperative in that season. And I remember, I mean, when I was a new mom and had had little, little kids, I I started really just relying on doing simple things with my friends. You know, it's not going to look like it did before you became a mother where you could go out for hours on end with uninterrupted conversation. A lot of times it's just changing diapers right beside each other on the carpet on one, you know, in one of your homes. And so it doesn't need to look fancy, but I think finding people to do life with is really, really important for moms. That's so good. We're talking with... Ashley Gad. Ashley is spelled A-S-H-L-E-E. So if you're looking for her online or um, on all the socials, Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-E, Gad, G-A-D-D. Sometimes when like we're doing creative things, we feel the need to like make the thing perfect. I I, Mm -hmm. like there are people who, you know, they must take 50 pictures of their kid (laughs) And I'm like, that kid is exhausted. Just post whatever picture it is that came up first. Like, don't wear the kid out so that you get the perfect picture on Instagram because you've actually, like, ruined the time with the kid. Can you talk about, like, the balance between being creative and allowing it to be a little messy and be real? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a struggle. It's really a struggle for me. I have major perfectionist tendencies. Mm-hmm. So I I am the woman who will take 50 pictures. Actually, that was such a joy for me while working on Crete anyway, because all there's a lot of photography kind of scattered throughout the book. And I decided early on that I really wanted all of the photos to be film. And I taught myself how to shoot film while I wrote this book. So Mm. I am not not perfect at it whatsoever. I made tons and tons and tons and tons of mistakes. And one of the coolest parts about shooting film is that you can't take 50 pictures of anything because it would be incredibly expensive. Like every Mm. time you (laughs) click the shutter button, you're, you're paying for that. You're paying for the film. You have to pay to get it scanned. It's a very expensive expensive approach. But the beauty of that is that you really do learn to slow down. And I found that in in learning to shoot film, there was this very real part of me that learned to just really embrace imperfection as part of it because film is inherently imperfect. You can take far superior images with a digital camera. And so that was such a good practice for me. And I would love to just encourage women to find something you know you can't do perfectly and just keep doing it over and over again because there is such joy and fulfillment to be found in the process itself. Oh, I like that. I like that. Um, in in one of the last chapters of the book, you talk about finding rest and how hard it can be to find rest. And I think that there's not there's not a mom listening who's got kids of any age who isn't nodding up and down right now. Um, what are what are a few of the ways that you find rest while still being a mom? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm in a pretty sweet season with my kids' ages right now. So my oldest is almost 11, and then I have an eight-year-old and a four-year-old. So the four-year-old is my my main stumbling block to rest <laughs> these days. But I find so often for me, having just the right posture and mindset is really key to entering rest. You know, I'm. I'm not really going to be able to lounge around for hours on end when I have three kids running around the house. But when I have a posture and a mindset that just reminds me that 
I can step away from the dishes, right? I can step away from the laundry. I can even step away from micromanaging what my kids are doing to sit in a chair and read a book for 20 minutes. You know, that's okay. And that's good to model for our children as well. And so I would say the type of rest that I do most of the time right now is sort of micro, micro rest or a form of micro rest. But I do find it really good to, to do that in front of my children. And so I kind of try to enter rest whenever I'm able to. All right. If you're desiring to allow those creative juices to flow and you just need somebody to give you permission and you need a, uh, a wonderful partner for the journey and some encouragement to create in community um, and drop the mom guilt. Yeah, this is the book for you. Create anyway, the joy of pursuing creativity in the margins of motherhood. We've got some copies to give away today. So you can text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter that drawing. Again, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Ashley, what a joy um, to have you with us today. Where, where are you in like actual geography? I'm in Sacramento, California. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah. blessings on you. Thank you so much. Blessings on you and your little people and and whatever it is you're creating next. Um, thank you for joining us and just for the gift of the conversation, the gift of the time, and certainly the gift of the book, Create Anyway. Thank you so much, Carmen. It was a pleasure. Thank you. You guys can uh, also check out Coffee and Crumbs. I'm going to do that. The online community bringing moms together through storytelling. You can check it all out. Ashley Gadd, G-A-D-D dot com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. All right, uh, a couple of quick things here at the bottom of the hour. Um, if you haven't visited lately, please check out what we've got available at myfaithradio.com. All kinds of, you know, all kinds of great stuff. It's worth checking out every once in a while. Just like swing by for a visit, myfaithradio.com. Um, folks checking in on the, hey, here are the media outlets or the news sites that I'm relying on, listening to, paying attention to. Um, little shout out there for um for axios somebody asked how do i find out uh where to where to read this messenger group that just launched yesterday well i found it at themessenger.com themessenger.com um another listener said hey i use freespoke so i went there and checked that out freespoke.com Paul uh, Perot, the uh, producer of the show, reminded me that we we also like the fourteen forty. It's a um, it's a daily aggregated newsletter, more than like a site, and so you can um, you can check it out at join fourteen forty dot com. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I don't know if I mentioned Axios, but um, I rely on them uh, as well. Okay, uh, and then I wanted to know if you have heard about the abortion pill reversal. Like, did you know that there is an abortion pill rescue network? So in this um, in this time during which the majority of abortions, hear this, the majority of abortions in America are actually accomplished through the taking of a series of pills. So it's chemical abortion or prescription abortion. It's an abortion by pill. It's done at home. So, um, you know, women are by themselves when they're enduring this process. And the first pill is called mifepristone, and it is the pill that has been 
in the news a lot. Um, well, the second pill uh, is taken um, like 72 hours later. Like there's a period of time that passes um, after you take the mifepristone before you take the second pill. And um, if, if during that time period a woman has second thoughts and wants to instead not abort her child, Can that process be interrupted? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. And, um, you know, because mifepristone interrupts progesterone reaching the developing child, um, giving a woman a massive dose of progesterone restarts the process. So the process is interrupted by the mifepristone, but, um, but ultimately... You know, the you can give progesterone at a high dose and the process will start right back up. Like that's uh, how the woman's body works. So um, if the abortion pill reversal, which is simply progesterone, is given within 72 hours of taking the mifepristone, then um, the abortion is interrupted. And according to uh, the Abortion Pill Rescue Network, which you can find at abortionpillreversal.com, According to the Abortion Pill Rescue Network, more than 4,000 infants have been born in the last 10 years after people have gone through this reversal process. Well, Colorado doesn't want any of that. And so the Colorado legislature passed a bill making prescribing any drug that would um, interrupt an abortion once it started uh, as medical malpractice. Just think about that. Medical misconduct. So um, if a physician were to because a woman changed her mind and did not want to abort abort her child after taking the first drug that produces a chemical abortion, mifepristone, if she changes her mind and she wants a dose of progesterone to reverse her abortion, um, Colorado is making that medical misconduct. They're also limiting the advertising by pregnancy resource centers because by the state's own rationale, um, pro-life pregnancy centers don't offer abortions, and so they can't advertise. They can't say what they're doing, um, which is promoting that women carry their babies to term. So they're not allowed to advertise on a par with abortion promoters. Just think about that for a moment. Um, all right, so if you want to know more about abortion pill reversal, go to abortionpillreversal.com. And here is a good phone number to have on hand, um, because if you're if you are with a woman who is regretting initiating a chemical abortion by the taking of pills, which accounts for more than half of abortions in this country. So if you are interacting with a woman who says, but I've, I've already started the process, I've, you know, I've started to terminate my pregnancy, you need this number. It's the Abortion Pill Reversal 24-7 Helpline, 877-558-0333. Abortion Pill Reversal Helpline, 877-558-0333. All right, um, we got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Looking forward to a range of conversations, um, some just here amongst ourselves. We're going to talk a little bit about um, the events that took place in a subway in New York City and... um, how that is affecting the conversations that we're having today. And then we're going to talk about um, who's going to be on the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition this year and why. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is going to be a follow the money conversation, which is always good for us to know what's behind the headlines of the day. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.